Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight better parlay. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fitz on Fantasy. I'm Pat Fitzmorris. Find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find my weekly fantasy rankings at thefootballgirl.com. And joining me now to sift through the aftermath of a carnage-filled week two is Calm Kelly. He's the executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and the co-host of Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast he does along with Sean Siegel. And he also just happens to be the producer of this podcast and a good friend of mine, Calm. Welcome to the show, or should I say, welcome to our show? <laughs> uh, no, it's my pleasure, Pat. Um, it's always fun. Um, we're we're up to number one hundred now. I have to congratulate you on the the milestone. Uh, we did number one together, I think, or we did a preview show. Maybe it was together, and we, we've done a couple of other ones. But uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, um, and I, I have to uh, congratulate you on the the milestone. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, you get uh, equal credit, I think, on that calm. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the anniversary more in a bit. First, let's uh, sift through the wreckage. Uh, well, first of all, how has the fantasy season treated you thus far? And to what degree are your rosters now decimated by uh, all the injuries from week two? Uh, I, I was thinking they weren't too bad, um, but they're starting to look a little bit worse as some of the news is filtering through over the last kind of twenty four hours um, with how bad some of the injuries are. So it'll take another couple of days to to see what happens with the sudden uh, injury and the, the fuller injury. I know we'll talk about both of those in a moment. They're ones that uh, I have on quite a lot of rosters. I actually talked a couple of weeks ago about the the one player that I, I left every draft with being uh, Cortland Sutton. So that tells you a little bit about how that part of it's going. But overall, it's a, it's a mixed bag. It's, you know, it's, it's not going very bad. It's not going very good. It's somewhere in the middle. And uh, what, what I think will happen now over the next three or four weeks is you'll start to see where those teams look like they're going to be come the end of the season. Uh, particularly, I always think in Dynasty in particular, it does take that couple of weeks to see how the, the situations filter out. But this season in particular is very interesting because we only have two weeks of a sample size. We have no preseason and we're starting to see things evolve very quickly on some offenses and some different teams. So it makes it it makes it a lot of fun to, to dive in each Sunday and see what's happening. So really enjoying the season, just happy to have it back. Uh, I, I mentioned this on uh, my, my own podcast, uh, Road of His Overtime, last week. It's just it seems like a little bit of a sense of normality, even though it, it really isn't. But um, it, it was it's really good just to see the action back on a Sunday. It is. And I think we're all back into the rhythm of football watching on Sunday, which is great. Uh, you know, it's been a tough year and it's, it's nice to have that back in our lives. But man, the changes we are forced to adapt to not only, as you said, um, you know, the lack of a preseason and this new data just flying at us every week and then these injuries which are you know constantly shuffling the pieces of the puzzle around and uh it's really tricky man and i think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast like us are probably in more than one league and um maybe this season is a good illustration of why it's best to keep your portfolio diversified and i know that as you mentioned with sutton uh, you know, with me, with guys like Jonathan Taylor and George Kittle, whose injury is just killing me. Um, you know, it's it's hard to do that sometimes when you like a certain guy. But uh, calm. I think this is the worst start to a fantasy season I've ever had. And I've been playing this maddening little game for a long time. I'm in four leagues that I consider home leagues. I'm in a league with some other fantasy analysts and some radio people here in Chicago and then there's the Scott Fishball, you know, the premier industry league, of course, that everyone cares about. So those are like my six main redraft leagues. Calm, I kid you not, unless both Drew Brees and Derek Carr just are completely awful tonight for my Scott Fishball opponent, I am going to be a collective 0-12 
in those six <laughs> leagues to start the season. And I mostly like all those teams still. It's kind of incredible, isn't it? If, if we're trying to put a positive spin on it, I don't know if we can put a positive spin on that. Uh, it's very early days, but 0-12 wouldn't be, wouldn't be looking too good. Uh, I think, though, you mentioned about you know the the home leagues. It's probably one of my I'm, I'm two and zero oh and and uh, my main home league, uh, a dynasty league that we've got going on for quite a number of years. And uh, you know that's that. Sometimes when you win those first two weeks by wide margins, it doesn't. You know if, when when you're having those close games where you win on a Monday, like I I've had back to back blowouts and i'm very happy for that but um it's a it's a great start there but there's just a couple of leagues where it's you know one it looks like it'll be one and one there's a couple of oh and twos in there but like with these injuries that we're seeing you know somebody like saquon somebody like christian mccaffrey if you've drafted them first or second you know well saquon didn't do you much over the first two weeks in terms of production but the likes of christian mccaffrey you know those owners are going to be losing those players now for a couple of weeks and that's going to give people who maybe have an oh and two start who thought things were we're pretty much starting to get to that over stage um can give them that lease of life where they can they can start to pick off some wins so still early so there's still hope for you pat uh yet and and that's kind of it calm i mean as bad as things have started and i have just been a magnet for huge games from opponents you know like i've been up against calvin ridley in pretty much all of those leagues the first two weeks uh you know, Dak Prescott in multiple games in week two. Jonu Smith and Tyler Higby were both starting against me in two leagues in week two. Um, but really, other than the Kittle injury, which which probably has cost me like three games that I lost by narrow margins, uh, I've stayed pretty injury-free. Like, I've dodged this hail of bullets somehow, so maybe I can get back on my feet. But boy... Uh, not quite ready to wave the white flag yet, Calm, but man, just when I thought 2020 couldn't get much worse, uh, here we are. Tough start to the fantasy season. But let's talk about some of the potential impact of these bigger injuries. Do these injured players have teammates who potentially stand to gain value because of the injury? And let's start with Saquon Barkley, who it may not be completely official, as of this recording, uh, but it is believed as of Monday morning that Saquon Barkley has torn his ACL. Behind Saquon, it's Dion Lewis, who had a pretty unimpressive relief performance yesterday, and Wayne Gallman, who was a healthy scratch, but will undoubtedly be active next week. I mean, yikes, calm. Uh, so do you have any interest in Lewis or Gallman? whatsoever and do you think that the injury has some sort of ripple effect on Daniel Jones and the Giants pass catch I think what we'll see here I think that the starting running back probably for maybe not week three straight away but for week four and beyond it's probably not on the roster at the moment uh, I, I've seen some reports obviously uh, linked with a couple of free agent running backs but I would expect one of those veteran free agents to to come off the the kind of the waiver list here possibly or you know to get signed up obviously they won't go through waivers if they're a free agent but what I think we'll see happen is you know maybe a Lamar Miller maybe a Devontae Freeman somebody in that mold will probably get a shot here because you know Dion Lewis for all the the great stuff he has done with the Patriots and so, some some of the short time uh, where things were working out for him uh, with the Titans has always been as a pass catcher he's not a three down back and he's not really built for those early down roles so I think we'll see somebody come in off the street uh, and, and we'll be starting in that situation so I don't think it really makes any of these running backs on the roster a value um, and I, I wouldn't be heading out to try and acquire them this week via the waiver wire um, in terms of Daniel Jones you know I, I like Daniel Jones I think there's gonna be some some tough games for him and I think there's gonna be some good games from him he's one of those players like we're seeing Josh Allen and I think we're going to talk about him a bit later but we're seeing him kind of flourish this season things are starting to click together for him I see some similar traits with Jones where he'll have those plays that just look incredibly silly and then he'll have those plays that look in, incredibly brilliant so there's uh there's both sides of the coin there Um we'll see what happens in terms of his pass catchers uh you know yesterday was one of the first times he actually got to play with you know Saquon uh you know and and, and Ingram um and I think Shepard was the other one that was in the mix the, the three of them hadn't made it out onto the field together all of last season uh healthy and you know they had a short period um yesterday before things went wrong so uh I think Jones will will be similar I think we might see him actually have an uptick in pass attempts but I think we kind of have the idea that this Giants team's not going to be good in, in 2020. 
Yeah, uh, probably nothing appealing at running back, even if they do pick up Freeman or Miller. And that's the thing. I mean, there might be an uptick in volume for Jones, but it's hard to imagine that the loss of Saquon, who's so good as a pass catcher, is going to help the efficiency. Um, You know, we saw it in week one where they could not run the ball to save their lives against the Steelers. And the one play did Saquon did have was where he got uh, loose on a little dump off pass and turn it into a big gain. So without the possibility of those um, easy big plays, I guess, where he just has to complete a short little throw and let Saquon do all the work, hard to see how this is going to help Daniel Jones. Um, So the severity of the Barkley injury is pretty clear. As of this taping, we were somewhat less clear on the status of Christian McCaffrey, who has some sort of foot or ankle issue. But uh, we're starting to get word that it's probably going to be a multi-week injury. Um, yeah, I, even the Twitter doctors said that there was like an obscured angle on the injury, so they were slow to speculate. Obviously, we hope it's minor, but the fact is uh, he's getting this MRI Monday. That's pretty ominous. Come the backup situation in Carolina, uh, maybe a little more significant for fantasy managers than the Giants backup situation. I mean, what what is your take on the value of Mike Davis from here on out? <laughs> Mike Davis was somebody who I always had hoped for when he came into the league, but that hope had been all but diminished <laughs> until he, you know, was seeing those receptions come his way yesterday. Um I think that he's you know, a below average running back. And again, I think it would probably make a lot of sense here for um, for the Panthers to lock the way of a veteran. Uh, I think we'll see similar situation to, to being in New York. Now, I think Davis will have, have some value, but I, I do think that it's it's not going to be, you know, anywhere, you know, of a 70, kind of 30 split with whoever else is there. I think it'll be um, 50-50 with whatever running back uh, does come in. So I don't know about you, Pat, but I think it's another situation where uh, it's somebody that comes in as a free agent i think possibly you might see curtis samuel get a couple more carries out of the backfield but probably not enough to sustain starting him you know on a weekly basis and the player that i'm most invested in this offense is dj moore things are starting to look a little bit better but uh, robbie anderson is definitely um showing that he is going to be somebody getting those targets on a weekly basis as well so dj moore i still think's in for a big big season but um anyone that has leagues where anderson is sitting on the the waiver wire um i would certainly be going and, and trying to get him on on those rosters this week because i think week one um showed that he had value but week two showed that he's going to have pretty consistent usage and the the, the the kind of chemistry with bridgewater seemed to be to be pretty smooth so far so um he he's the player that i think i'd be targeting on this offense but the backfield is somewhere where i'm not going to be overly targeting depending on who comes in but i think it's going to be split again yeah and the, the sort of nice thing about Robbie Anderson and his usage so far with the Panthers is that it's not this just vertical receiver stuff that he was doing in the past. Like he is being used sort of at all depths this year thus far. So instead of this high variance week to week play where, you know, maybe he hits on a a deep throw and, um, you know, scores a, a long touchdown for you, get some big gains uh now like there's a little bit higher of a floor just because they're using him so much and in so many different ways so that's nice to see uh and as you said i mean it's just weird with this backfield situation where christian mccaffrey has had such a massive percentage of snaps and touches suddenly going to the post mccaffrey uh Boy, and I, I hope it's not post McCaffrey for more than a few weeks, but you know, these next few weeks, maybe Mike Davis can be a band-aid for McCaffrey or Barkley owners. Uh, but yeah, it's um I, I guess it's nice that he at least has a versatile skill set, but he is like 30% of Christian McCaffrey as far as production, most likely. Uh Colin, we're both Green Bay Packers fans, and one of the Packers we least want to see injured, Devontae Adams is now dealing with a hamstring injury, uh, severity unknown as of Monday. Looking ahead in week three, the Packers play the Saints on Monday night, and then they play the Falcons in week four, then in early week five bye. So it's possible we don't see Devontae again until week six if the Packers take the cautious route. And usually they are pretty cautious, uh, just conservative with injuries. So Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling this is pretty interesting, Calm The slot role isn't entirely a fixed position for the Packers. We've seen both Lazard and MVS 
play there. Uh, I haven't seen the data for week two yet, but according to playerprofiler.com, Lazard had 23 slot snaps in week one, MVS had 12. And I guess the reason that is important is assuming Devontae misses week three, either Lazard or MVS is going to be going up against Marshawn Lattimore in week three, uh, a very negative matchup there, yet the possibility of increased targets. So if Adams misses the next couple of weeks, how do you view Lazard, MVS, and uh, I guess Aaron Rodgers too? Yeah, I think um, obviously on Adams, the thing will be interesting to see over the next uh, couple of days is, you know, I wonder if that game was closer. It wasn't really, you know, you know, out because it was a really, really bad hamstring injury. It could just be a situation where they thought that not not a huge need here at this point in the game for him. So um, it, it might have just been managing it that way. So it'll be interesting to see over the next kind of 48 hours how those reports come out. But I think in terms of uh, how it's going to affect the rest of the wide receivers, I think it is a boost for Lazard and MBS. But as you mentioned, playing the Saints, whoever, whoever draws that matchup with Lattimore is probably not going to have a huge amount of, of points this week. But what I do think is like Adams not being on that opposite side to take away that number one cornerback could just put one of these guys on an island where there, there's no no usage that's going to work for them i think what you'll see is and you kind of hinted at there with them splitting slot snaps i think they're going to both move around a little bit i don't think it's just gonna be a case where they're one of them's playing the outside receiver and we do see that with Devontae adams as well they do move them around it's not just a case of being split out wide at, at all times um i think what it'll happen they both will get an increase in targets but uh, how much they can make of those targets based on what we've seen with uh, drops over the last two weeks in particular they have had those opportunities the link up is much better than it was last year on those deep passes with Rodgers but there there is just a couple of uh, you know drops that have led to big plays not making it so it'll be interesting to see if they can make those connect and, and that's what I've seen from the first two weeks with the Packers offense the the deep balls and the the passing routes that have been run are much more consistent than they were last year uh, Rodgers is you know seems to have trust off the timing of the wide receivers but i hope he just doesn't lose uh, a little bit of trust when the, those balls are being dropped you know when the when they're finding the spot but i think both those guys get more targets but i think what we'll also see is an increased target share also for jones adam jones that is uh, obviously was worked in i think um tanyan could be yeah I, and i think uh, i think tanyan could be somebody who's uh, sprinkled in as well with some more targets caught it caught a touchdown this week so um I really think it leads more to the running backs and, and Jamal Williams and uh, Aaron Jones getting more targets out of the backfield. Um, I think they'll lean a little bit more in the running game if they have to. But I think both those guys get extra targets, but I don't know how much effect that's going to have based on them getting those tougher uh, cornerback matchups. I'm glad you uh, mentioned Aaron Jones because maybe he is the big winner after all. I mean, we saw his target share go up last year when Devontae Adams missed time. That's when he really that's when he really had big. Right, right. And uh with Marshawn Lattimore lurking in the secondary, maybe that is uh Aaron Rodgers' solution to, you know, sort of avoiding that matchup and uh finding Jones and and man, Jones is already off to a terrific start and this could only enhance his profile over the next couple of weeks. But I'm glad you did mention that, yes, uh, they were blowing out the Lions for much of the second half. So it's possible. Maybe it was just a tightness thing. And with some treatment this week, he's ready to go in week four. Um, yet to be determined. You know, we might know more about that by the time this podcast comes out. Um, and boy, Colin, it would take the entire show, I think, to go over all the injuries from yesterday. But just give me your quick reaction to a few more. Uh, Raheem Mostert sprained MCL. Any interest in Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon as waiver ads where they're available this week? I probably would take a shot on on McKinnon. Um, Coleman's just been so inconsistent over the, the last probably three to four years, we could probably say. Uh, McKinnon, I think, looked quite explosive yesterday in some of the, the limited action he did get. Um, obviously, this team is going to be affected by Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, and we'll see how long that's for. But, uh, you know, even talking about the 49ers, they just got crushed yesterday on injury with uh, on injuries with Bosa. And obviously, you, you mentioned Kettle as well uh, from last week. So this team is uh, off to a really rocky start. And when you get those guys banged up at the start of the season, it's hard to, to get it all back together again. Um, I touched on it earlier, but Will Fuller, uh, obviously pretty much... Uh, was invisible uh, yesterday against the Baltimore Ravens there was always a possibility that would happen but seems to be mainly related to like a soft tissue injury 
uh, hamstring related and that led to him pretty much being a decoy i think if he's out i think the off the option there i'd want would be would be cooks um but they had a really tough start obviously facing the chiefs and the ravens so we'll see if things get better for that offense moving forward um you know paris campbell was starting off the season very good injured hopefully not too much long term but i think that'll give a boost to the the running backs there a little bit more out of the backfield and uh, it'll help uh, somebody i thought was very good for the colts actually who mightn't get talked about too much is mo ali cox uh, you know those, those rumblings that he might get some looks but we know how much philip rivers loves the tight end position as well so it could be an opportunity for him moving forward the, the big one for me was Cortland sutton obviously the reports coming out just before we're recording this pat that it, it looks to be quite severe which usually when those phrases are used it's likely to be season ending and it's likely to be uh you know knee ligament damage of, of some sort so i'm like he he's the one player that i have on pretty much every one of my season-long rosters uh, a lot of dynasty rosters too i just think that he's a, a tremendous tremendously talented player um and I, I thought those big things to go and like we look at the injuries obviously missed week one with an injury and like on sunday evening then before the or afternoon for you but evening for me here in ireland when just before the games are about to start comes out that he's active and i'm like you know do we put him in do we leave him sitting out um and and then i didn't start him but you know it looked so positive that he was back so quick and then obviously situation now where he could be done for the year so really disappointed to see that and obviously drew Locke getting injured that's gonna shake things up as well so it's really tough to see what's gonna happen but i think the the one pass catcher that i'd be really looking to to go for on that uh offense and obviously would have been drafted this year was going kind of and just before the double digit rounds that was Noah Fant I think he's he's off to a really positive start for his his season here but um those injuries are crushing it's it's never good to see players get injured um it's just it's just really tough but it's part of the game we don't usually see as many star players go down in the same week as we did this week but there's no doubt that this won't be the last week where we see a lot of injuries happening yeah, just to spitball on a couple of the couple of the things that you mentioned, um, it's funny that people were sort of I don't know cooling a bit on Fant and maybe even to some extent Jerry Judy uh, relative to some of the other w- rookie wide receivers. They were worried about the target competition with you know n- a non uh, upper tier quarterback throwing them the ball, um, and I don't know if we're going to get that big a drop off in overall quarterback quality from, you know, an inexperienced Drew Locke to Jeff Driscoll, who I I think is probably in, I guess, one of the, he'd be in the upper half, I think, for backup quarterbacks in the league. You know, certainly not great and not going to be considered for a starting job anywhere, but capable. Like there isn't going to be just this dramatic drop off in the passing game, I think, with him. If you look at the Steelers' defense that they were facing yesterday, you know that's a legitimate defense that I think a lot of teams are going to struggle against. And to be honest, uh, Driscoll, like you know, moved the ball pretty good against them, and that was him coming cold off the sideline. Sometimes quarterbacks look better when they come in cold, uh, and they they aren't expecting to play. So we'll see what happens. But I still think. Um, like I'm still not sure how good Drew Locke is. I know that Jeff Driscoll, like you mentioned, isn't that good, but he also is somebody who can help. Like some quarterbacks don't have to be that good to put up fantasy numbers for for their pass catcher. So we'll see what happens there. But um, one to watch. Yeah. So Fant and Judy, I, I think their stock is definitely up as a result of the Sutton injury. Um, you know, and Brandon Cooks, a guy a lot of people were dropping after week one when Will Fuller was clearly the go-to guy for Deshaun Watson. And and now, you know, Cooks look pretty good in week two against a tough Ravens defense. So um, he's going to be a hot pickup, I guess, this week in leagues where he's been dumped. And yeah, Paris Campbell is interesting. I I, I actually declined the option of using uh, Mo Ali Cox in one of those leagues where I'd Kittle Hurts and went with Logan Thomas instead. Uh, you know, luckily I was blown out of that particular game and it didn't cost me. But uh, I, I guess I had worried a little bit about the Mo Ali Cox uh, p- potential for a Harrison Smith matchup, but it kind of didn't matter because the Vikings were biting on that play action and on some of those catches, Mo Ali Cox didn't have anyone within ten yards of him. So. Um, and Paris Hilton did not really take advantage yesterday of that week, Minnesota secondary. And uh, we did see some Michael Pittman. So it's going to be interesting to see how Pittman factors into this offense now after I think people had cooled on him with the Paris Campbell breakout in week one. A lot of moving parts. Um, Colm, and on top of all the injuries, 
Another one of the frustrating developments, I think, from week two was that some of the running backs people spent precious fab dollars on uh, after week one, Malcolm Brown, Benny Snell, Naheem Hines, these guys lost a lot of their perceived value a week after looking like potentially nice assets for people. Um, we saw Malcolm Brown outplay Cam Akers in week one, and it seemed like he'd be no worse than maybe the chairman of the Rams running back by committee. But then in week two, Brown sustained some sort of finger injury that curtailed his usage in the latter part of that game. Cam Akers hurt his ribs, boy, even more injuries. And, uh, the guy who was seemingly the odd man out in week one, Daryl Henderson, had a pretty nice day, led this backfield in touches with 14, 12 carries and two catches. What is your take on the Rams backfield here now, Calm? My take kind of before the NFL draft was Darrell Henderson was the back to one. Then when the draft happened, I just kind of stayed away from it. So any any shares I have uh, in terms of this backfield are dynasty related and they're Darrell Henderson related. Um, in terms of how the backfield is going to happen we're, we're going to have weeks like this with this backfield it's going to be a case of a revolving door I think we can see that Sean McVay is quite happy to not have Todd Gurley there this year where the the kind of question every week was why didn't Todd get more snaps why didn't he get more touches I think now we see a situation where he's probably happier to be rotating those couple of guys through and keeping things fresh so I think we're going to just see a constant uh, rotation here moving forward I think if I was going rest of the season for redraft it would be Henderson and then obviously if if you're if you're in a dynasty league it, it'll be acres but um I, I think that it's going to just be a frustrating situation where if the three of them are healthy you're going to have a, a a rotation there at all times i'm not sure we're getting uh satisfactory daryl henderson love from you calm we might have to get your rotoviz <laughs> colleague curtis patrick on i know he was a big daryl henderson guy and uh i'm hoping because I still have some dynasty shares of him. I have a redraft share of him and uh, would love to see that pay off. And yesterday was pretty encouraging. A guy who'd just been buried his rookie year with the Rams. And, uh, you know, then, I mean, last year he's behind Gurley and Malcolm Brown. This year he appeared to be behind Akers and Malcolm Brown. And boy, this rookie season has not gone well for Cam Akers investors. Um you know, it seemed like he was going to have a fairly clear path to take over this backfield, and it just hasn't happened so far. And now it's kind of nice to see Henderson get that opportunity because, I mean, we loved him as a prospect coming out. Like the numbers were pretty good and the skill set seemed NFL ready. So uh, maybe we're going to see that in year two. Benny Snell's value decreased sharply with the quick return of James Conner. I mean, everyone was freaked out about Conner. Uh, people who had him on their rosters. And yesterday he looked good against the Broncos, 106 rushing yards and a touchdown. Snell had three carries for five yards. So if you have Connor on your team, Calm, are you excited that he was back to playing this workhorse role in week two? Or are you exploring deals and trying to cash in while he's healthy and his value is back to where it was? I think with this backfield, it's going to be um, interesting. I, I thought Connor was going to be out a little bit longer, obviously. Um, I have Benny Snell on all my season-long rosters and pretty much all of my dynasty rosters. And the, the reason for that is uh, Sean Siegel, who I do the podcast with, is uh, a big Snell fan. And obviously, Rotoviz were quite high on Snell coming out last year um, as a rookie. Um, so he's on a lot of those rosters. I like James Connor as well, but I think, you know, obviously played, but he had his stats really bumped up by a, a long kind of rumbling run near the end of the game um, I think it was maybe 40 or 50 yards on that last run so it really changed how his stat line looks we'd be looking at this a little bit different now the the usage for Snell was was very concerning obviously we thought that we'd, he'd be sprinkled in a little bit more I thought that he was going to be somebody who was a safe flex play kind of you know most of the season obviously that wouldn't have been the case this past week but in in games like this we do see week to week things can change so quickly we can have usage that is so low one week it's back to normal the next week it's higher the next week so it's about trying to figure out how that's going to be split over the season i still think this backfield is going to be split 60 40 in terms of connor's favor bar an injury i don't think what we've seen this week in terms of snell's usage is what we're going to see every week you know i don't think three carries or or what his usage is going to be all season long so i i still have a lot of confidence in snell moving forward um i think if you're a, a connor owner um, I think, you know, he didn't look to be moving all that great yesterday. I do think that 
if I did have him and I could move him, I think now's the time uh, to try to try and move on from him if you can get it, you know, in Dynasty if you can if you can trade out from underneath him. But um, I I really want the wide receivers on this offense. I mentioned I have a lot of Snell. I, I don't <laughs> I don't don't want to have any more of Connor. Um, but in terms of the the wide receivers, uh, just love the wide receivers on this roster. Um, even Claypool coming up with the the big touchdown la- last week and this week, and uh, you know the likes of Juju and. Uh, Deontay Thompson, uh, James Washington. I think all of those guys will have significant value throughout the season. It might not be them every single week, but um, they all will have their opportunities. Yeah, this is crazy how loaded the Steelers are at wide receiver with Juju, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington. Uh, and it certainly lends credence to this idea we heard in the offseason that they might let Juju walk pretty soon because uh, Cl- Claypool is uh, – Man, this guy's a special cat with his uh, combination of size and speed. And I, I know it was one of your Rotoviz colleagues, Calm. I can't forget which one, which makes me sad because I want to give them proper credit. But they showed some sort of, um, there was some sort of off-season graphic showing Chase Claypool with the combination of size, like height, speed, and um, draft capital. And like the comps were just, it was this incredible list of, of Calvin Johnson's and just like elite <laughs> guys. He was one of the, he was one of those guys in uh, dynasty leagues this year that, you know, and people just weren't really drafting, um, you know, and he was just kept, kept falling. And I think, I think based on, you know, you obviously mentioned that we were pretty high on him over at Rotovis and um, just the way people weren't drafting him. I just kept ending up with two players. I just kept ending up with in every single rookie draft where him and Chenault just over and over again. So uh, pretty happy with how those were going, but those guys were going much too late. Now it's obviously a crowded depth chart, but um uh, the Steelers are really, really luck to be stacked at the wide receiver position yet again. Yeah, they really are. Um, Naheem Hines was invisible in week two after a pretty busy week one. Does he have any fantasy value? I think he does. I know, and I know you're going to link it in with your guy, Jonathan Taylor. I, I don't, I don't think I know anybody that uh, had more Jonathan Taylor love uh, and and the draft process and in the preseason, and it, it looks to be well justified at this point. I know we we uh, we thought that he should be going as the first running back off the board in the draft. Um, obviously, he ended up with the Colts uh, instead, but I think that like he just looks. He just looks really, really special. Um, I think we're going to see him lead the backfield. I think a bit like I mentioned with the the Connor situation um, with Snell, uh, I see this being more split than it was this past week. I think with Hines, you know, you're going to get those weeks with with him where his speciality is catching the ball out of the backfield, and they tend to happen in games where it's close or the the team is trailing. Um, and this game, you mentioned it earlier, they at this was just so unbelievably comfortable. I, I couldn't understand how how the Vikings were playing so bad in this game and how they looked so bad. That's true. Two weeks, I, I thought they were going to be a team to really challenge the Packers for that division. And at the moment, they could they're possibly the worst team in that division. Um, so I was just surprised at how easy this was for for the Colts and um, I think we'll see Hines used a lot more I know one of Sean's predictions is that he'll have I think it's three games of 10 plus targets this season he had eight targets in week one <laughs> so we're still hoping that that happens and uh, I think we'll see Hines is one of those players if the Col- if the Colts get behind he'll just get flooded with targets and I think with we, we've just seen it historically with uh, Philip Rivers that he likes to target the running backs and we talked about earlier and I, we kind of glossed over it but with Paris Campbell out if he's out for the same time he's going to get a lot of those uh, kind of shorter passes Paris Campbell that is uh, to try and take you know yards after the catch and I think we're going to see a situation where Taylor and Hines both are going to benefit depending on how long he's out for so I definitely think Hines is, is still a weekly flex play the rest of the way but I, I think Taylor is uh, you know he, he's he's top five running back come the end of the season potential yeah I think it's kind of important that people understand the nature of Heinz value. Um, and, and you sort of said it, I, th- I think he's like flexible in PPR leagues. Uh, oh yeah. Maybe not Only standard, PPR. maybe yeah. borderline. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of it. Like the injury to Marlon Mack does not necessarily expand Heinz role in the passing game. Now it, it just, you know, rather than it being sort of a Mac Taylor split on early downs, now it's Taylor's show. He's going to get occasional relief from Jordan Wilkins. Hines' role doesn't change at all as a result of the Mac injury. He's still the passing down back pretty exclusively. Is not going to boost his role in the running game. Um, 
So, yeah, there is value there in a different game script. But as you said, calm in a blowout like that, uh, there wasn't going to be much action for Hines. So what did you think of Taylor? You were pretty impressed with that week one performance. Yeah, very impressed. And I think you've kind of had it on there. I think it was going to be more a situation where Mac and Taylor were going to be getting the, the split of the actual rushing yards. What I was surprised or the rush attempts, what I was surprised in week one was how much Hines was actually involved as a rusher um the first touchdown he scored i believe was a rushing touchdown as well so th- i i was surprised at that uh, i wasn't surprised that this like the, these are the weeks you're going to have with someone like if you're looking at like the zero rb candidates that you would be looking at somebody like a heinz like a snell you're going to have those weeks where you are going to have low scoring numbers you're hoping that it's not going to happen very frequently but what's going to happen is then the, the wide receiver is going to take you through but you are going to have those weeks so like if you're on board for Naheem Hines for the rest of the season, you, it's not just a case of you know throwing out the bathwater after after one game where there, there's a low a low usage. So so I I think that's the way. But I think when you look at Taylor, I just think he like he pretty much has everything. I was surprised actually at his usage in the passing game. That would be the one thing I was surprised at. But as a runner, uh, just just looks explosive, looks good, and we all know that this Colts offensive line has been good over the last couple of years. So without having you know preseason and having those snaps together maybe to to be as familiar with the offensive line and which holes to, to hit and how the team just interacts together i think we'll probably see him really step up as the weeks go forward here where they kind of get into a groove in the running game and um, because obviously in training camp they would have been splitting those shares between him and mac yeah so uh w- one observation i had about taylor in this game against the vikings and this is from someone who has seen hundreds upon hundreds of Jonathan Taylor carries as a Wisconsin fan. He was very obsessed with hanging on to the ball yesterday. Like that was his priority. He had two hands on the ball at all times. Um, You know, he did have kind of an alarming fumble history at Wisconsin. Although if you take just the sheer volume of carries he had, like it really wasn't that horrendous a fumbling problem. Yes, he had a lot of fumbles. Yes, he had a massive number of carries, uh, you know, which of course increases the chances of fumbles but he was really conscious about holding onto the ball yesterday and you know I wonder if that was almost costing him as far as like you know his focus on trying to set up defenders on the second level and maybe try to get something more uh out of his runs and, and maybe pop a long one so he didn't really pop any long ones but I think everyone saw Jonathan Taylor will go into a pile two or three yards past the line of scrimmage and it turns out to be a six or seven yard gain. I mean, he is so powerful. He just like moves piles and, uh, you know, just kind of grinds out that yardage. And that can be pretty fun to watch too, especially when they've got a positive game script and he's just doing it over and over and over again. Welcome. Uh, you alluded to it earlier. There's a special reason you are my guest this week, aside from the fact, of course, that you're very knowledgeable about fantasy football. It just so happens that this is the 100th anniversary of Fits on Fantasy, and you have been my partner in crime on this entire ride uh, from the very beginning. I know we're not changing the world with this podcast or doing anything significant for the greater good of mankind, but hopefully we are at least providing a way for fantasy football enthusiasts to pass some of their time in agreeable way, I guess. Um so thanks for all your help, Calm. There's no way I could have done this without you as my producer. No, I appreciate that, Pat. As I mentioned uh, at the start, it's, it's been a pleasure. We've uh, we've really found a groove here, and uh, you know, you 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 can thank me for you know editing the show. But in terms of the content, the guests, the interviews, all that sort of good stuff, um, that's all that's all on you. It's uh, it's a great show. I I I edit it, and then I listen to it after it's done because uh, it's just it's such such good content. So, um. No, it's all it's all on you, Pat. Don't don't be so modest. Well, thanks, Calm. And uh, folks, just a quick story about how Calm came to be my producer. I'd wanted to start a podcast for a while, and my colleague Melissa Jacobs, aka the Football Girl, had referred me to her producer at the time uh, of her podcast. So he and I started working together, but we were having some technical issues with the platform we wanted to use. I'm not going to mention it by name. Uh, because I think the problems were really more with my machine than with the platform itself. But that was a huge pain in the ass. And as for the producer, really, really nice guy. But he wasn't really a fantasy guy. And he had all these ideas for the show, special segments, little games he wanted to do every week. 
I didn't mind that he was offering the creative input, but I definitely had put a lot of thought into what I wanted this show to be. And since he wasn't really a hardcore fantasy guy, I just wasn't all that eager to let him take the steering wheel in any sort of meaningful way. So things with him and with that platform sort of dissolved and uh, Melissa steered me towards another producer. He and I really hit it off and we're probably just a couple of weeks from launch, but then he landed a new full-time job and just wasn't going to have the time to be able to do the pod for more than the first few episodes. Uh, you know, he said he was help- happy to help get the thing off the ground, but I just didn't want to launch without having some sort of uh, backup plan lined up. And I basically just had to bail So here I am all fired up to get this pod off the ground and I have no producer and I'm utterly incapable of producing a podcast myself. And then one Saturday afternoon, I am in a high school auditorium somewhere in suburban Chicago. I can't even remember where exactly getting ready to watch our daughter in a dance competition. And I get a direct message from Calm Kelly saying that if I was ever interested in starting a podcast, he would be happy to lend his services as a producer. And I mean, Calm, you were pretty much my angel of mercy just when I needed some sort of small miracle to get the show off the ground. Uh, So first of all, why don't you let listeners know how you and I first came to uh, meet? And maybe you can explain why you sent me that DM on that fateful Saturday. So uh, I don't know, what is it? Probably two years ago. Uh, It's quite, quite a while ago now. So I had to really jog the memory banks back, but obviously... Had when I back in the day, I had the Overtime Ireland podcast. That's where I started my podcast, and I did that for I think maybe five years. But I had you on as a guest a, a number of different times, and uh, I don't know if it was maybe after we finished up one time. You know, you just maybe five minutes after you just be talking uh, when you finish recording, and I think you might have mentioned that it was something you're interested in, and I don't know why, but uh, it just was jogging my memory. Um, I was in a different job than I am at the moment, so I was like. Uh, spread my wings like trying to see where I could go in terms of fantasy in terms of podcast producing I obviously do my own podcast and help help with the road of his radio podcast network so there was like lots of things like that going on and um, obviously we had kind of struck up a friendship so I I just uh, I don't know what it all kind of clicked together and I was like you know what I'll just shoot him a message in case um, he's interested so it just it all came together um, you know sometimes things just line up for for no good reason other than they seem like the right thing at the right time and uh, everything everything went together but i think it's just a case that we were chatting a couple of times after we finished the show and i had noticed that you hadn't uh, jumped into the the podcast game yourself so i thought you know uh let's let's see what happens here because one thing i'll say to you, you had it on it there too about somebody you know or a producer looking to tell you what to do on the show set make you do it in a certain way any other road of his podcast team they'll know that i probably message them more times about shows than they probably appreciate but what, what my thing always is is like if you have an idea go for it if you think this works on a show go for it because the thing is if you're told what to do you're not going to stick it out the one thing for like you'll see sometimes on, on twitter people will ask about getting into podcasts and the one thing i'll always say is go for it but the one thing you need to do is to do a podcast about something that you like particularly if it's about nfl or american football because if you're going to commit to doing it once a week like like pat has done for these hundred shows you need to do it because your listeners pat um, you know and you, you've seen your audience grow over the time uh, your listeners are ready for the show to come out when it comes out early in the week usually monday or tuesday um, and that there means that they're ready to listen to it and if it's not there for one week they might give you a break but if you miss out maybe two weeks or you start to become inconsistent in your posting that's when people tend to uh, stop checking the feed to see if you've if you've hit on the show so i think that's a key of what we've done here and what you've done is you've kind of made the show your own voice and it, it fits perfectly for your personality i think as well that's why the listeners enjoy it and that that's why it's such a good show is that it's it's authentic it's not something that we're trying to to force in with uh, different information to make it fit into you know a square a square a square peg and a round hole kind of thing um but i, I think that's what it's all done but you mentioned at the start i remember back to maybe the first five episodes we did do some troubleshooting with some tech issues and then we i think we had to move you change computers you were changing rooms you were changing the leads we were changing everything but thankfully from that point on it's been it's been pretty smooth sailing so it's been a lot of fun and obviously we get behind the scenes for the listeners we we get to shoot each other a couple of a couple of messages as well every so every week basically about the packers how things go and i i'm just after clicking this into my head pat over the last kind of year and a half the packers have been going pretty pretty smooth maybe it's a it's a it's a correlation with the the podcast here and um, that they've been going on a good run so uh 
but it's it's a lot of fun i think something that's interesting as well that made this work so good pat is um obviously like i mentioned i do my podcast it's on a tuesday you usually record on a monday fits into the the time frames for you know if this was on a tuesday every week it would make it hard because i record that edit edit that show and everything and it just fitted out so perfectly so which makes it feel like it was meant to be um and the, the one thing for the listeners as well the time zones help out dramatically because pat usually records you know eastern time uh, in the evening so i'm usually asleep by the time he starts or finishes recording he sends the files i wake up in the morning the files are there and, and i get them edited and they're they're ready for your well, there's not probably as many morning commutes now, but you know, for your morning then to, to listen to the show. So it all just worked out so smoothly, Pat. It, it just seems like it was meant to be. Yeah, that does work well. I mean, I go to bed. Uh, I send you the files. Like sometimes it's close to midnight on a Monday. I go to bed. Uh, I wake up to a podcast link in my inbox, courtesy of you. It's like you're Santa Claus doing the hard work and delivering <laughs> the Christmas presents while I sleep peacefully upstairs. So uh yeah, Calm, I could not ask for a better partner. You're just a fabulous producer, and I have had those shows where the guest's audio has been terrible, and you somehow render it listenable. Um, <laughs> thanks for everything, my friend. Uh, and for the listeners who might be curious, Calm, just how did a nice Irish boy get interested in such a violent, loudish American sport like football? If I if I think back, it's hard to it's hard to fully remember the whole process. But um, obviously, like with the Super Bowl, um, is obviously popular worldwide. But you know, Super Bowl parties when I was kind of probably seventeen, eighteen was a, an excuse to stay in a, a bar until five a.m. in the morning. So probably got hooked into it that way. But uh, then then the coverage uh, on the television obviously expanded quite quite a lot um with the uh, uk series you know over in wembley and um, so around that time probably just slightly before it i started to get interested but when the coverage started to expand i kind of i got hooked and i guess i i jumped into playing some fantasy football um i think that's where like i think if you're like i'm, I'm 31 so anyone under 30 that's watching the nfl is probably playing fantasy football while they're watching it or that's the reason that they get involved and just from that then it all kind of was like a snowball um got more interested in it got new more players all, all that started to run together so uh, just just pretty it, it happened organically but i tend to become quite addicted to any sport that i really like and uh, I, I think the NFL is probably the one that really captured my interest the most, and I, I just I just love watching it, love talking about it, and it's a it's a lot of fun. Well, you actually became so addicted to the sport that you played for a real team in Ireland, right? Yeah, there's a, a local team, the the Donegal Derry Vipers, and it was a case like I was probably probably selfishly I was doing the the OTI podcast, and I probably thought, oh well, if I join a team where there's like 35 players, and you know, I mentioned about my podcast, that's 35 <laughs> new listeners. Uh, probably something like that came into my mind, but uh, I just always thought that it would be would be fun to to give it a go and i can't it was one of those things if i didn't give it a go i thought i'll regret this for the rest of my life so i i played i played for two or three years um then we we had a little a little girl uh caitlin so she's she's uh two and a half now so when she came around the, just the the amount of injuries other teammates were getting i was always pretty lucky that i didn't get any broken bones i sprained ankles things like that a couple of scars but but no broken bones but yeah i play, played tight end for a couple of years and i just love the physicality you know getting to to push your body kind of to the max but it's it's, it's incredibly brutal and i just have a, a huge respect for for the players in the nfl and i know a lot of your listeners pat will probably have played in college or high school but obviously over here you don't have that opportunity so it was my opportunity to play so played a bit of tight end at six i'm six six uh usually around 230 pounds might be a little bit over that <laughs> over the over the lockdown here but uh, uh just just a lot a lot a lot of fun yeah, you're a big guy, so there's a big target. There was a lot of you to hit, and uh, with lot, your little girl, probably a good idea that you. <laughs> That's right. Probably a good idea if you want to, you know, be able to walk around with your little girl and, uh, you know, still hold her and uh, bounce her on her knee without everything aching. Not a bad idea. Plus, you've got that beautiful new house that you just built in the Irish countryside to take care of. Uh, being a property owner, a, a land baron as you are, uh, yeah, you definitely <laughs> were, want functioning knees for all of that. So, um, yeah, for all the all right, come back to the. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, back to the NFL and fantasy football. Uh, what did you think of Justin Herbert's NFL debut? 
I was super impressed. Um, I I talked on our podcast uh, this this past week that the Chargers Bengals game last week was just it was painful to watch. Um, but this game here, I, I I've been saying about it didn't really f- affect Austin Eckler much in this game, but I thought the sooner they changed this offense to get Herbert in there would probably help him. Um, and I thought he looked really good. Obviously, he would have had a lack of reps over the last week or so. Um. No, or the last two weeks he would have had some reps in the preseason but he wasn't meant to be the starter and he wasn't likely to be the starter without an injury so I, I thought this offense looked a lot lot better than what that did with Tyrod Taylor it really did and um you know I don't know if you caught any of hard knocks over there the HBO series on the preseason and this year they did a joint one on the Rams and Chargers Anthony Lynn just seems like a great guy like the kind of guy I would love to play for and would run through a brick wall for but he is talking about Tyrod Taylor still being the starter when he's healthy. Like, I worry that he could lose the locker room if he made that move because Justin Herbert, I mean, what he did was so impressive. And really, if not for the one epically bonehead move he made yesterday, they should have won that game. He had a play where he was running for first down, scrambling left, had the first down and probably an easy three to four yards at least beyond the first down marker and somehow chose to feather a pass into (laughs) a part of the field where there were more Chiefs than Chargers, picked off, uh, you know, and this was down close to the goal line too. I think this happened about the 20-yard line spot of the interception. Yeah, the spot of the interception was well within field goal range. So, um, you know, other than that, they probably win that game. But that was like the only bad, obvious mistake that he made. And um, yeah, like kind of exciting because after week one, if you were a Keenan Allen or Mike Williams investor, you were probably pretty discouraged. But now there's some hope there, I think. Um, And while we're on the Chargers come, I wasn't quite sure what to make of Joshua Kelly after week one. Because even though he had double-digit carries and ran for a touchdown, he had only played 24% of the offensive snaps in that game. But in week two, he played 52% of the snaps and had a whopping 23 carries. Granted, only 64 rushing yards, but he also caught two passes for 49 yards. It seems like Kelly is now playing the old Melvin Gordon role. And Austin Eckler is basically playing the same sort of role he played last year after Gordon ended his holdout. So... Should we be excited about Kelly as a fantasy contributor this year? I think so. I think he he looks really good. He looks just just impressed. Like out of this offense, he's impressed me and Herbert's impressed me and they're both rookies. But um I think like the expectations obviously for Eckler going into the season as a you know a kind of second round draft pick uh, for fantasy was that he was just gonna go in and, you know, get a you know seventy five percent of the work. Um, you know, that was probably something that I didn't think was really going to happen based on just his you know size obviously he bulked up a little bit in the offseason we've seen we've seen the pictures online but um I, I think it's like we're going to see a lot of teams do this is you know split backfields between two and three people we're seeing like less and less overall workhorse backs where it's just going to be them getting 70 percent of the work and i think that's what we'll see with the chargers like i think eckler's still going to have big games and he had a pretty solid game overall this week just didn't get in the end zone and similar for kelly and i think it'll probably flip from week to week where whoever gets in the end zone is going to have the the bigger game but i think they'll both get you know similar workloads similar amounts of targets i think eckler will still edge the targets i think kelly might edge some of the rushing attempts but i think it's going to be a pretty split backfield i think you both guys you can confidently start for the rest of the season i believe but i think the upside of both is probably going to be capped because we're going to see you know what they'd look to be doing was almost like a drive a drive each you know kind of splitting it by the drive so we'll see what happens but i think both both guys can can be good starts but i also think their upside may be limited based on based on that Yeah, I think uh, for the Eckler owner, any hope that he was going to play that same sort of role he played early last year during the Gordon holdouts, where he was just this fantastic workhorse and and having a big share of the rushing and the receiving, I don't think we're going to see it. uh, You know, he's probably going to be maxed out, I would think. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the part that sometimes 
us as fantasy owners and fantasy players might forget is like the team has invested in him and they have not just invested in him for 2020 they've invested him for there and beyond and we see that with running backs who get contracts you know so we might think that he should be getting more touches but they also have to think about an investment that they've put millions and millions of dollars into so that's also part of it so i I think though over the season i think Eckler will still be a very very fine play i'm still i'm a huge Eckler fan just i thought the adp was you know at its above its maximum of what it probably should have been but uh, i think both of them will be be good plays this year well said um a few more quick random subjects before we go calm just some rapid fire thoughts on these uh josh allen through two weeks he has 729 passing yards 75 rushing yards uh six td passes one td run zero interceptions the fantasy analyst community has a weird sort of love-hate relationship with josh allen uh, are you a Josh Allen believer yet? Uh, I'm a Josh Allen believer. I, I have been, and I think I, I will be. And I think he's he's one of those sort of guys who I mentioned earlier with Daniel Jones. I think that this is where you're hoping Jones goes to where the upside with Josh Allen is so high, but the downside is so low. But I think that you know he's he just looks like a much more complete quarterback this year in terms of like he's not making as many. He's still going to make those kind of incredibly bad decisions, but he's not going to make as many. I think this offense looks much better uh, in terms of how they've set up through two weeks than it did last season. I think they're much more pass heavy. I think they trust him a little bit more to make those decisions and throwing the ball down the field. And I think having Diggs there has you know changed this offense. You go from John Brown being the the number one wide receiver to being kind of the the one B or the two and you give digs the role as the one and it just like opens up the thing so much like they they tried that touchdown to john brown yesterday the deep pass they tried that but i think it was either within three plays or back-to-back plays where they just were like we're just going to do the same play down the field and like he can pretty much throw it the whole length of the field um so it's just uh i, I think you know the there's a, in terms of a fantasy quarterback josh allen has it all because he can rush he can throw the ball as far as you want and now that he has digs there who I think has looked great through those two weeks. I think the, there's real, real upside for Josh Allen. I started him in DFS the last two weeks, and I, I think I'll continue to start him because I, I just think the upside is so high. Yeah, it's fun because he might not be the most accurate passer in the world, but man, I mean, he is so much better at wide receiver now having Diggs and John Brown. Like, that is a hell of a combo. And you throw in Cole Beasley running around on those little underneath routes. And, uh, you know, then if you go four wide, Gabriel Davis is sort of an interesting rookie so um yeah much better ecosystem for him and maybe he is showing real growth uh how do you see the bucks backfield developing calm uh the buccaneers it was mostly the ronald jones show in week one and he sort of started week two as the lead guy but then he had a fumble and was out touched pretty severely by leonard fournette from that point on and uh fournette ends up having a nice day um what do you think what do you think we see henceforth is it going to be the Fournette show or do you think it's going to be messy still I think it's going to be messy probably the majority of the season I think it'll it'll fluctuate but the fumble really changed like the way the game started off you know the Russian touchdown for for uh, Rojo I thought things were going to go go very positive I was quite quite happy at that stage because I, I have him in a lot of rosters but the, the fumble obviously changed things and um, I think he's very much more talented than Fournette but Fournette is putting in the production even when it's not that great uh, but he did have a nice catch in the second half that I, I didn't think I would be saying about Leonard Fournette at this point a catch downfield that he led to a touchdown but I think that uh, you know the one thing about Rojo is I think it works out for him but there's one thing is for sure he does not make it easy on himself and he's making it harder again this season I think he's probably running out of you know last chances um, I think at best we're probably going to see a split backfield after week one I thought he was going to get you know an opportunity again and was going to take that backfield for himself but the more opportunities he gets the more times he squanders them <laughs> the less likely it's going to be that that chance is going to come around again so um i don't i don't have any leonard Fournette on any roster but i think that he's going to be quite a nuisance for rojo this season and and rojo unfortunately just can't put it all together one more subject for us to go out on calm, and it would almost be mean of me not to bring up this subject because if Jonathan Taylor is my guy in this rookie class, clearly your guy is LaVisca Chenault. So I've got to ask you how excited you are about Chenault's performance so far through two weeks. 
Yeah, I've, I've been all, all for this and uh, from the draft process, true. I just thought he was being overlooked. Um, I think it's looked really good. I, I was really impressed with uh, how the Jaguars actually played yesterday. They, they came up a little bit short, um, but th- that was an impressive performance compared to what we've seen, obviously, against the Colts the week previous where they, they really didn't want to push the ball downfield. I thought Minshew uh, looked, looked a lot better, a lot more aggressive, and uh, LaVisca looks really good through, through two weeks. I think he's going to be interesting because he's the sort of player who can be used out of the backfield as well, and I think they'll probably sprinkle that in with him. And I think the more he gets used over these coming weeks, he'll continue to grow into that offense. Like I know some of the rookies are, are hitting those big plays already, but you know they haven't had a huge amount of, of time in these offenses so uh no I'm, I'm very excited so you can be the captain of the the taylor fan club and i'll i'll be <laughs> i'll be over here with Visca. <laughs> yeah and uh you know i made sure to get visca on a couple of my dynasty teams myself and a, a quite a few redraft teams too actually i mean he is exciting uh just the way he lines up all over the field the way he's you know like he's shifty but he's also powerful i mean having a guy that big uh running loose in the secondary is pretty exciting to see. So yeah, man, he is, he is definitely a fun player. Well, Calm, uh, thank you for pulling double duty this week, sir, as both my producer and my guest. Um, and of course you have earned my eternal gratitude for putting up with me for 100 episodes so far. I, I I said it earlier. Don't don't be so tough on yourself. It's uh, it's down to you, Pat. Uh, the first hundred have been tremendous. Here's to the the next one hundred. Um, the the podcast always fantastic, and uh, each and every listener, I guess, I'll thank them as well because you've you've seen that listenership grow. But all all through your your hard work, um, it's it's been a pleasure along the way. And I guess we didn't really uh, we didn't go overboard Colin, on the can... we didn't go overboard on the Packers stuff uh, earlier. So I guess we'll, we'll say go pack go, and we'll see you in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We wanted to spare our listeners all that. I'm sure there's some Vikings and Bears fans listening, so better that they not be subjected to uh, that sort of gloating. Um, all right, Colm, before you go, remind everyone where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Overtime Ireland. Um, you can find anything that I do pretty much there, any podcast that. And uh, be sure to check out the, the Road of His Overtime podcast. Um, with uh, I do I do twice a week with Sean Siegel. Um, you know, you mightn't want to listen to me, but you should be listening to, to what Sean has to say because he's one of the one of the best in the biz. But uh, check check out the show, and uh, if you want, if you if you feel so inclined, give me a follow on Twitter. Yeah, do check out the show. Hit Calm up on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and uh, don't sell yourself short, Calm. Uh, you know, Sean is fantastic, but so are you. It really is a worthwhile show. So go over to R- Rotoviz and check that out. Um, and that's going to do it. Cheers, Calm. Really appreciate you being here. All right, my friends, that is it. Let's put a bow on episode 100. My thanks once again to this week's guest and my producer, the great Calm Kelly. If you aren't following him on Twitter yet, please remedy that. He can be found at Overtime Ireland. Special thanks to Melissa Jacobs, the football girl. Find her on Twitter at the football girl and go visit thefootballgirl.com for all of my content and all of Melissa's content. And honestly, Melissa has been a trusted friend and business partner for years now, and I couldn't continue to put out fantasy football content without her. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate your support, and I sincerely hope you've gotten some small measure of entertainment and uh, perhaps even a few drips of useful fantasy information out of this show. I appreciate you, my friends. Thank you for your time. Two more things I wanted to mention real quickly before I go. One is that I was very saddened to hear about the car crash that killed James White's father and left his mother in critical condition over the weekend. Uh, James White is a favorite son of the Wisconsin football program, which uh, if you listen to the show regularly, you know I am a follower and uh, disciple of And if you watched Sunday Night Football, you saw some of his former teammates and other people offer testimonials about the kind of person James White is, by all accounts, just a terrific salt-of-the-earth guy. And what a tragedy for him and his family. Just wanted to express my uh, sorrow over that. And one other sad note, you may have noticed that the outro music is different this week. Uh, It's Toots and the Maytals doing their version of the John Denver song, Take Me Home Country Roads. 
Uh, Toots Hibbert died earlier this month at age 77. An absolute musical giant who kept performing into his twilight years. And I'm so glad he did because I was lucky enough to see him play live on three occasions. They were such good shows, man. Rest in peace, Toots. And that is it for this show. Please come back next week when I will be joined by another great guest. Good luck to all of you in week three. Peace, my friends. West Jamaica, true is the mountain, shining down the river. All my friends there, holding on those reeds, young and then the mountain, going like a bee. Tani hits, pitches, and trades crypto. He does it all on the platform that trades it all. FTX, the official crypto exchange of MLB. But you don't have to be a pro to trade like one. Just download the FTX app and you could be trading crypto, NFTs, and more in minutes. FTX, Shohei's in. Are you?